0: Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Well, good
1: morning, church. So good to have all of you here. My name is Matt Malik. I'm the lead pastor here at Refuge, and we have begun a series entitled Look What God Can Do. And so we're hearing from testimonies from different individuals that can help inspire and bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. And so we're going to hear a testimony. In a, in a moment, I'm going to introduce you to the one who's going to be speaking today. But before we do that, uh, we want to uh, extend and join our faith together and pray for Sharon Lasca. Sharon is right back here. And her brother died unexpectedly recently. His name is Terry Itchikowski. Uh, and so we just want to lift up... Uh, their family, uh, Beth, Terry's uh, wife, and uh, he's a young man. He died of an aneurysm and it was um, uh, unexpected. And so uh, tragedy sometimes can invade our lives, but we have a hope in Christ that can get us through the most difficult times and seasons. We don't live in a perfect world, we know that, but we have a perfect God that can help us through life. And And so, extend your faith towards Sharon as we pray for her and Jason, her husband over there. We're going to just join our faith with you um, during this time. Father, we pray for an extension of your grace and mercy over Beth and her children, Father, over Sharon and her family, her parents. Father, we just thank you that in this time of loss that you can minister comfort. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that is able to comfort our hearts during times like this. We thank you for your strength. And as, as a body of believers at Refuge, Father, we join our faith and we stand in support of, of Sharon and her family during this time. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, we know we live in a, a broken world uh, with broken people. And there is one that, that can bring wholeness to us, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to hear a testimony from Jen Morton today about that, about how God has brought wholeness to her life. And I must say, I was so blessed by this woman of God, she actually went with me to Africa. Uh, we like to take trips and get people on the mission field, get you exposed to another culture and allow you to encounter uh, Jesus in a different setting where we can share the gospel and allow God to use us. And, and so the team I took with us this past November, we asked each team member to prepare their testimony. And I said, as, as and we actually visited five cities. We did five conferences in the nation of Ghana. And as we were there, I would call upon one of our team members, and i say, you're on today. And so uh, Jen was also called upon one day, and I, I believe we were in one of the regions, of, and you probably remember this city better than I do, because that was a, a big moment in her life as she stood on foreign land, And sharing her testimony to people she had never encountered. And, and the people that she spoke to were pastors, church leaders, and, and just believers in the nation of Ghana. And as she began to share her testimony, the Spirit of God just began to move upon that crowd. And my heart and our team, we were just touched by the power of her testimony. You see, the scripture says we overcome. By the blood of the lamb. That's what Jesus did. He shed something. He sacrificed his life for us. We overcome by his shed blood and also by the word of our testimony. A testimony that gives proof to what Jesus did. It's evidence of what Jesus has done in the life. And you're going to hear a testimony of obedience and what God has done in Jen's life. And, uh, so Jen, come on up here and, uh, you know, this woman, she's part of our church family at Refuge. She serves as a volunteer here. And uh, in her career, uh, her career was a prosecuting attorney. And so she defended abused women and children. So she has a passion for hurting people. That's her heart. And so you're going to hear from her today. So I'm looking forward to this probably more than you are. So God bless you.
0: Good morning, Refuge. It's great to see everybody here today. The Spirit's moving. I feel it. I feel it. And, you know, it's always good to know that when we're obedient to the Lord and we're all obedient today and showing up today, that God shows up. And he showed up today. So before I begin, I'd just like to bow our heads in a word of prayer. Holy is your name, O God, and I open myself up to you to use as you would to bring your message here today. Have your way, O Lord. Have your way that all of my words might be your words, that they might praise, magnify, and glorify your holy name. In the name of Jesus, your Son, amen. Well, today, as Pastor Matt um, mentioned to you, I wanted to talk, the theme of my, my testimony is obedience. And I'm going to share with you some times when I was obedient and some times when I wasn't so obedient and the impact that that had in my life and how um, things have changed um, as a result of me learning um, to be more obedient Isaiah 1.19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Equally, um, Psalm 25.10 says, And when we obey him, every path he guides us on is fragrant with his loving kindness and his truth. And essentially in those two um, Bible verses, we hear that obedience brings God's favor. In essence, that's the summary of it. And we all want to have God's favor. When you have God's favor, he helps us in times of need. He gives us strength. He gives us grace. And so um, these two verses encompass the entire um, theme of my testimony today. I've I am an attorney, as Pastor Matt mentioned. I've been one for about 22 years. I was a prosecutor for almost 14 years. And in those 14 years, I spent the majority of that time prosecuting sex crimes and domestic violence, um, putting the bad guys in jail who were committing those types of crimes, both here and abroad. And I have that passion for serving those people, even those cases, those cases are extremely difficult to prosecute um, because, in part, I was a, uh, abused and sexually assaulted myself, and as a result of that, it it stirred a desire in me to help those who had the courage to report those crimes, so that um, we could attempt to bring justice for those victims. As a child, I was born um, going to church every Sunday. Um, I grew up um, with the Bible. I, as I got older, into my teen years, I worked retreats. Um, I even, as my rebellious years, I snuck out of my house to learn to play Bible songs on my guitar. <laughs> So that was the extent of my rebellion in high school. <laughs> but I say that to to convey to you how Jesus was such an integral part of my life as part of how I was raised, and I was praying every day as a teenager, and we all know that that's not very common in in youth today, but as a result of of um, my parents and my upbringing. Um, it was uh, very important in our home and uh, very important to me. And as a result, I believe that God showed me his favor in paving my w- way to be my ultimate dream, which was to become an attorney. And he paved my way in part by the time that I was ready to graduate high school and, and paved the way for me to go to my dream college that I always wanted to go to, Notre Dame, Um, University in South Bend Indiana and of course it's a very expensive school I didn't have enough money but God put forth enough financial aid and when I didn't have enough financial aid um, because it's that expensive of a school (laughs) (laughs) and I was about three thousand dollars short all of a sudden an anonymous donor put forth that money so that I could attend that that year at Notre Dame I was able to participate in athletics, which may seem petty, but it was something that was very important to me at the time, probably second only to Jesus. So I was able to walk on and start in varsity athletics for the University of Notre Dame as well. While I was was at the University of Notre Dame, I was sexually assaulted at the age of 18. And I had a son at the age of 19. I never reported the crime. I was too afraid to do that. I never told anyone until I was seven and a half months pregnant. Not even my family. And I tell you that because not to to make you feel sorry for me, but to, to set up this next portion about obedience, which this is the first time that, I experienced not only my own obedience, but actually this morning I realized the obedience of others. Because at the time I was considering not keeping my son and potentially having an abortion. And my son is here today, so that didn't happen. He's 29 years old in the back over there. I'm sure I'm going to hear about it after this, that I mentioned him. He'll be 29 next month. Um, But that day that I went on the bus to that abortion clinic to to go in to see about what it meant to have an abortion, there were protesters outside protesting against abortion. They were peaceful protesters praying outside, and they, they had come in obedience to God. And it was because of their obedience that I didn't walk into that clinic. So when people are obedient to God, He shows up. And it wasn't anything of me that made me not walk into that clinic other than I was scared. I didn't want to walk past those protesters. I didn't want to be confronted by them. And it was because of that, and because of their presence, that I didn't walk in and that I have a son here today. And I'm more than happy that things turned out that way. When I finished my, ultimately finished my undergrad after raising my son, and while I was raising my son, God continued to be obedient to me because I continued to go to school while I was raising him. And he continued to show his favor on me by putting people in my life that would help me raise my son because I made that decision not to Um, or to keep him. And he paved the way for me to ultimately go to law school. He provided an apartment for me when I didn't have funds to do that. He provided friends to help me with daycare. He even gave me professors that would let me bring him to school, to class with me when he was an infant. So he continued to, as, as I was being obedient to his word, show his favor upon me. And then um, I ended up going to Marquette Law School. And while I was in school, I, moved, I had to move away from my hometown, which was Manitowoc, by the way. It's a very small town, a little bit, just a little bit bigger than Stevens Point. And it went from small town to big city. And the big city was filled with big temptations that I had never experienced before. Things that I became curious about, like witchcraft. And I met people there that were involved in that. And so I became involved in that as those people became my friends. There... um, I met people who were homosexuals that I had never met one before. And I became curious about that. And so I started hanging around with those people. And as part of that, I, it opened up areas in my mind where I started to think, this is who I am. This is what I should be. And part of that was um, some of the curriculum that I was involved in. But a lot of it was just my own curiosity. And for the next 20 years, I spent in relationships with women. 14 of those years I spent in one relationship, living in a Essentially, what a domestic partnership with another woman. And I was unhappy. I was happy in my relationship, or th- so I thought it was, but I was, became more unhappy in other areas of my life. And when I told people that I was a lesbian, they didn't receive it well, especially because I had been involved in all of these church activities and um, all these other Bible activities. And so I lost all my friends. Uh, None of them stuck by me, with the exception of one. And because he stuck by me, he was also ostracized. Um, My family took it hard, and as a result... I, for almost 10 years, didn't have contact with anyone in my family. When um, I was banned from participating in any of the retreats because I was considered to be um, operating outside of the church, and I belonged to a denominational church, and so that was against the church um, beliefs. And so I wasn't able to participate in that. So in essence, I chose a lifestyle that, put me in a space where I was alone. Or at least I felt that I was alone. Even though I wasn't alone. God was with me. I didn't know it at the time, but he was with me. I was still working. Um, I was working at a law firm while I was in um, law school that dealt with um, domestic violence, women with victims of domestic violence. So I was still... Um, working in what I believe was my calling and that God had called me to do. Um, And then later, as I got employment, my primary um, responsibilities involved domestic violence and training was in that area. So I continued to work at that calling that God had put on my heart, but my lifestyle wasn't matching that calling And so I do believe that God still showed his favor on me because of that area, that one area where I was still being obedient to him. And so he showed favor with me um, in that I was able to identify with the children that were the victims of some of the sex crimes that I was prosecuting, that I was able to understand Spanish. There was a case that I had with a defendant who had sexually assaulted a Um, one of his children and he spoke Spanish only or so he pretended to do and when he was testifying he was testifying through an interpreter and the judge had instructed that we were to wait for the interpreter to interpret before we objected or before the jury considered any of the testimony so if anybody knew Spanish they weren't supposed to to listen to the Spanish they were supposed to wait for the interpreter to say it in English well I was listening to the testimony and I only took Spanish in high school and how many of you have been in high school and you took it and you remember everything you learned much less much less be able to understand conversational Spanish that that goes like this fast you know so I was sitting there and all of a sudden I knew what he was saying and I, I knew what he was saying was a lie. And I was able to object before, and I don't know how the, this happened but God, because I objected to the Spanish version before the interpreter interpreted it, and the judge sustained the objection and kept out the testimony, that the, the lying testimony that he was going to put in, even though he hadn't heard the English version yet. So that's another way that God, um, one story that he continued to work with me in my career um, because I was being obedient to him with respect to my, um, my calling. He also um, was there as I continued to live my life in conflict where I was following my calling but not living his plan for my life. I felt guilt, I felt rejection, I felt condemnation by people that I thought cared about me. I felt unloved. I was devastated by not being able to participate in the church because for me, the church was my life. I I was at one point going to church every day when I was in law school because it was on, it was less than a block from my house. But I also was not humble. I started looking for a church to fit my views instead of looking for a church that um, would hold me to conform my behavior to God's plan. And there were my actions and my choices were affecting those around me and had an effect on my son and how his view of going to church because I had stopped going to church when I felt like I had been rejected by the church, that I felt that the church didn't care about me and didn't want anything to do with me. And I feel that that had an effect on him, and he's, he hasn't heard this testimony. So um, it's, I think, uh, something that, that is, I'll forever regret, that I stopped going to church um, even even though I felt condemned and rejected, that I didn't search harder for a church that that God wanted me to be at instead of one that I wanted to be at. One step of obedience leads another person to obey. And this is from this is a quote from Pastor Matt. Um, but it's not on the screen, so I, I'm not sure why it didn't reach the the, the prestige of the screen. But, <laughs> but I, th- I think it's a, a very telling one, and I think it's very true, that one step of obedience leads another to obey. One step of disobedience can lead another to disobey. And it's very true, because sometimes we're the only Bible that, People are going to ever read. And so we need to be very careful about how we um, live our lives. So back to where um, I was working. I worked there for about, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, for about six and a half years. And then I um, God's favor again showed upon me and gave me a, basically a promotion. And I ended up moving to Guam. For those of you who don't know where Guam is, it's an island in the South Pacific that's about three hours from Japan, and it's about maybe four and a half hours north of Australia. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere in the South Pacific. Um, But it was a wonderful experience because I had an opportunity to supervise multiple attorneys in domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, But the downside was that the relationship that I was in was accepted and that even by some of the clergy, and remember, I'm looking for a church, that the clergy are telling me that my relationship is okay and something that I don't need to worry about. Despite that fact, I was offered what my ultimate job that I always wanted was. And that was to work for the U.S. Attorney's Office, and they offered me that job on Guam. And while I was there, because I and part of it was because I was in such a a, a sense of pridefulness, I would imagine I didn't really consult God in making my decision about what I was going to do and whether I was going to take that job. You know, you would think that I would jump at that job, and I didn't. I didn't really jump at that job at all. Um, My mom was sick back here. Um, My partner wanted to move home. My son was headed to college, and so we wanted to get residency for him here so he could come to Stevens Point. And without any prayer, I just did what I thought was best and chose to move back here. And... um, it may have been for a lot of good reasons, but there wasn't any consultation with the person that mattered. With that, whether that or not, that's what he wanted when he presented me with that opportunity. And so I missed out on an opportunity to be obedient, and because of that, I missed out on my dream job and the favor that could have come from that dream job. And once I moved back to Stevens Point. Um, I started doing the opposite of everything God would want me to do. First Chronicles 22.19 says, Now try with every fiber of your being to obey the Lord your God. Every fiber of your being to obey the Lord your God. And by the time I moved here to Siemens Point, I was doing exactly the opposite. I had no desire um, to to know God better. I had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, with a, which is a physical disease, a neuromuscular disease that affects your nerves in your spinal column and your brain. And I was having symptoms from that. I was depressed. I was diagnosed with a whole myriad of disorders, which I'm going to list just because I want you to understand the significance of a, a dissociative identity disorder, schizoaffective disorder, PTSD, ADHD, and then there's more. That I'll, I'll stop there, but those are the most serious of all of them. Um, I was highly suicidal. I was hospitalized seven times in two years for suicide attempts. Within three years of moving back to Stevens Point, I wasn't able to work, and so I lost my job because of all of these diagnoses. So I wasn't even able to fulfill my calling any longer. So there was nothing left of the obedience that I had been doing before. The My son also moved away to Green Bay, so he was no longer... Here in Stevens Point, and for the next six years, I lived apart from God, had nothing to do with Him no church, no Bible reading, no play. I didn't even play my guitar for six years because all I knew was church songs, and I wanted nothing to do with them. Um, in the spring of 2016, my partner of 14 years cheated on me and left me, saying she didn't love me anymore. Now, in hindsight, that was a blessing. You know it it still hurts me even now today, but it was a blessing um, that only could come from God because at that point, I was lost, and I truly felt like I was- alone and I didn't want anything I didn't want anything from anyone, let alone from god and I think that's when God decided I needed an intervention because it's only, and I, and I really believe that it's that intervention where he had my partner of so long leave was the only way I was going to get away from that type of life. And so a uh, short time after that, I met who is now my good friend, Paula, which I know many of you probably know her, Paula Wolf. She also goes to this church. Um, and we were driving down the street actually down HH and I was talking to her and I was saying you know I think I want to go back to church and I actually said it out loud it was was in my head and it's not something that I probably wanted to admit to anyone but I said it out loud and she immediately said I have a place we can go and that place was refuge and so we went the next Sunday and we experienced what all of us experienced the first time we walked in, and and we had someone greet me at the door and shake my hand that I didn't know with a big smile on their face, saying, Welcome to Refuge, or Today's a Fun Day, or You Look Great, or one of, whatever one of those signs says. And, <laughs> and I could appreciate the looking great part. You know, so... So, but... My point was that I experienced strangers loving acceptance of me, and they didn't know me. They didn't know who I was, what I was about, what I did, where I was at. And they, what they did was a true Christ-like response. There was no rejection. There was no condemnation. There was no, what do you think about this, or what do you think about that, or where are you at with this, or where are you at with that. It was about Jesus. And so that day, and I don't remember the sermon that day, except for I remember how I felt about the sermon that day that Pastor Matt gave. And I remember sitting there saying, this is where I belong. This is where I need to be, and this is where I need to come. And when he gave the salvation call that day and said, you know, as anyone who doesn't feel right. And I was like this already. (laughs) And he didn't even get the with Jesus part out. You know, so. um, And I knew that that's what I want and wanted and that's what I needed. And that was nothing but grace. That was the grace of God working in my heart through the obedience of all the people that came to church that day. Another time that I experienced the obedience, the favor of God through the obedience of other people. And so that was, at that point, and we've all heard this Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. At that point, I became a new creation and started a new beginning and started researching. I was hungry God put a hunger on my heart. I wanted to know more. I wanted to read the Bible more. I wanted to understand it better because even though I had read it before, I didn't. I didn't get it. I don't think because not like I get it now, <laughs> or I think I get it now. <laughs> um, and I, but I'm as being a lawyer, everything is research, you know, and you got to prove yourself to me before I. Before I go all in. When I go all in, I go all in. But, but you got you to gotta meet that threshold. And so I researched refuge. And the first thing I found when, was on the internet. And that was the vision statement of refuge. Um, which says, at refuge we believe all people matter to God. That was the first thing that I read about refuge that they put out. Besides people welcoming me, all people matter to God. This is a place we grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. And the through Jesus part, I didn't really see at that point, but I, what I saw was hope, purpose, and love. And I knew those were things that I needed. Those were things that were important. And, and then I think it took probably one more time of coming to refuge, and I realized that the only way I could get that was through Jesus. The next thing I found was after going to Refuge Life, which you're going to have the opportunity to go to today if you've never been through it, I would suggest that you go, um, because it explains not only what refuge is all about, but what it's about is Jesus. And I was introduced to the mission statement of refuge, which states that the church is a place that we should welcome all people. And that's what stood out to me, that we need to welcome all people, not, not just people who believe one way or people who believe another way or people who do this or live this way or that way, but live, welcome all people, equipping them to grow in faith through God's word. We create engaging environments where people discover their purpose, which, again, was important to me because I felt like I had no purpose resulting in a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And I knew that I needed to change my life. And like I said, that's where I realized that, that it was about an encounter with Jesus. And we were also introduced to the core values, which I'm not going to go through, but I re- a lot of them resonated with me um, because we just spent um, 12 weeks going through the core values, so I'm not going to... I'm sure you'd be really interested in hearing him again, but but I'm not going to do that. Um, but it was so important to me that someone cared about me, even though they didn't know me. And that's what I was looking for. That and but what I refuge got me in the door. The people got me in the door. The mission statement and the vision statement got me in the door. But Jesus helped me to stay. And so I had to think long and hard and ask many, 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 many questions before I decided to be water baptized. And the important thing about water baptism for me was that because I grew up in a denominational church, I was baptized as an infant. And so um, it was hard for me to get over that idea of I've already been baptized, why do I need to be baptized again, you know, and um, some of those things, and so at that point i was i didn't get a fire and brimstone speech about if you don't get water baptized you 're going to go to hell i didn't get a i didn't get a, any speeches about you know if you get wa- don't get water baptized this something bad is going to happen to you. Um, instead, I was encouraged to seek out a mentor, which I did, and um, I talked to actually more than my mentor. She doesn't know that, but talked to more than that. And everyone that I talked to, including her, encouraged me to search my heart, to pray, to read scripture, and they gave me scriptures to read, to look for an experience of God, to, to be still, in essence, and let God talk to me. And they helped me realize what God may be saying to me. But they never said, God is saying this. They prayed with me. They taught me to pray in a new way. And in that, refuge in those people, and I say refuge when I mean everybody that I had contact with, which was a lot of people, um, helped me understand that we need to be obedient in all things. And that, That water baptism was part of that. And I came to that, not on my own, but through the help of of Jesus Christ. That I realized that that's what he wanted me to do, so I said that's what I'm going to do. And that was part of my testimony in my water baptism. And let me tell you, when I was getting ready for that water baptism, I thought homosexuality was my only issue. Well... God gave me a whole flash of a whole bunch of other places there. I was not being obedient. So it was, it was a, a little bit more of a challenge for me to to be water baptized, to recognize those obedience, because then I realized that I had to, I couldn't, there was no going back. Because now I knew, now I knew that, um... I'm flipping to get the scripture here. Now I knew the truth. And once you know the truth, there's no going back. And there's a scripture which um, you don't have to put this up. It's on later in the slide. But it says in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 15, Obey God because you are his children. Don't slip back into your old ways doing evil because you knew no better but be holy in everything you do, just as the Lord is holy, who invited you to be his child. So there's no going back. And God has already accepted us as his children, even before we've accepted him. But walking in obedience with him and continuing to walk in obedience with him gives us a lot of benefits. We get a lot of stuff. He gives, it gives us hope. It gives us power to change hearts, including our own. With respect to me specifically, it had a ripple effect in my life and helped me to bring Jesus to other people by being able to go to Ghana and talk to people there about my experiences with, with God and with disobedience and obedience I received my first prophetic words in Ghana, both um, for others and from others, which, let me tell you, that's a mind-blowing experience. (laughs) When you have thoughts in your head that you know aren't your own, and then to have the confidence to speak those thoughts out with a little help from Pastor Matt. (laughs) But the last thing I just wanted to mention... Was that First Peter one twenty two, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And I mention that scripture because we need to have a response to people who are walking in disobedience. And what does our response to those people need to be? It needs to be a Christ-like response. And that's the message that I want to get across to you. And if you remember anything, that's what I want you to remember, is that we need to have a Christ-like response to to people, uh, who to everyone, actually, because it's not for us to judge whether they're acting in obedience or, or not. But if we think about... Um, John 8, 1 through 11, and that's the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And um, the scribes and Pharisees were trying to trip Jesus up, and they brought out a woman who had been caught in adultery. And this is just me paraphrasing the story. Um, And they wanted to to know how he thought they should treat her because the, the penalty for adultery was stoning And Jesus ultimately ended up saying, He who without sin casts the first stone. Mm -hmm. And in the end, he was the only one that was entitled to cast that stone because he was the only one who was without sin. And in the end, no one cast any stones. He got down in the dirt and wrote things in the dirt. And while he was doing that, others started dropping their stones and leaving and then Jesus said to her, Where is everyone gone? Essentially. And he says, Does not anyone condemn you? He didn't confront her in front of everyone and, and call her out on her sin. He didn't embarrass her or try to make her feel bad or condemn her. He said, Nor do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the. Response we need to have with people because it's only through loving people in a Christ-like way, the way that people here love me when I came here, that I came to my own determination through Jesus and let Jesus do the work. All we have to do is love on people and Jesus will do the rest. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. It doesn't mean it's not work. It doesn't mean I don't have to, to continue to pray. But I can tell you that, as of right now, I've um, gone through a Reverend Jones healing class several times, and I can say that since my last three MRIs for my MS have, have been no prog- no there's no progression of the disease anymore. So, um, I can tell you that I haven't had any suicidal thoughts or ideations since I've been water baptized. Can, and most importantly, I can tell you that I have had no attractions for women since I've been water baptized. And, and I think part of that is it, well, all it is is the grace of God. It's the grace of God and I think we have to do the work of obedience and we'll reap the benefits of the grace of God and and God will always show up as long as we're obedient he'll show up so I just appreciate you taking the time to listen and to be receptive to the word and I would encourage you if, if you feel so inclined today during the worship and God calls you up here there's plenty of room up here to come up in obedience and experience and reap the rewards of being obedient to him. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Two, when, I was going to say that's what happens when you put two microphones together. You shouldn't do that. Anyway, what a powerful testimony. You know, and I trust that you heard this with an open heart because I think as Christians, sometimes we can be the most judgmental people when Jesus didn't operate that way. And we need to express and demonstrate the love of God because we're going to encounter people that need to experience the love of God in their lives. And I believe Jen's testimony is is going to change hearts and change lives. Uh, She is a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. And now she's on a mission, a new mission. And I believe that God's going to use her in greater ways than she could have ever imagined. And uh, so today, uh, Jen touched on so many areas. And, and, and so much of it has to do with connection to a church family, to a body of believers. Because that was part of her journey to wholeness. I said earlier uh, to, in the service today how the world is a broken world with broken people that need to be brought to a place of wholeness. And, and I can testify to the fact that Jesus Christ has brought wholeness in my life. Now, I'm still a work in progress and, in which all of us are because no one comes to that place of perfection on this side of eternity. And so be patient with me, okay? God's not finished yet, okay? And so we realize that God is working, and he's working even now in this environment. And he knows exactly where you are at. He knows exactly what you are dealing with. The scripture says that Jesus is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, whatever affects you, he realizes it. He understands it. He knows it. He can identify with it and he can help you get through it. He can bring victory where there's been defeat, he can bring hope where there's hopelessness, he can uplift you when you feel like you've been pushed to the bottom. Jesus is here to encounter you today. And based on this testimony, there's, the, the key word is obedience. And that's a theme that runs very deep in Jen's life. That's a theme that runs deep in my life. I, I am so moved just by this message and, and this response to obedience. Will you be obedient to the call of God in your life? There's a call for all of us to repent. That means to change directions, to change your mind, to change your thinking, and to come to Christ. The scripture speaks of, of that repentance. And uh, the scripture says that he's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. But that all people, all men, all women come to repentance. That's 1 Peter 3.9. I want you just to bow your head in this moment and with nobody looking around. This is one of those moments where I'm going to ask that you do just a little soul searching. You know, we come sometimes presenting a certain air, a certain, you know, image that we want to uphold. But when it comes right down to it, what's happening in your life? What are you dealing with? Jesus cares, he's concerned, and he wants to intervene, and he wants to make himself very real in your life if you open your heart to him. Now, if you're here and you say, Pastor, you know, I I don't believe my life is right with God, but I'm ready to open my heart to him, and I'm ready to put my faith in him and to invite him into my life. Maybe you are a Christian. You've been walking with God for many years. But maybe you've kind of drifted because there was a time that Jen was walking with God too. But she walked totally away from God. But guess what? God didn't forsake her. God didn't forget her. God's heart was still for her. Even at the season where her heart was against him. God didn't abandon her. And he hasn't abandoned you. He's ready to welcome and receive you back, even if you've cursed him, even if you've turned your back on him. He's willing and ready to welcome you home. If you're here to say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know my life is not right with God. I'm ready to allow God to encounter my life, to change me. If that's you, lift your hand today so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. We're going to stand up together. Let's stand up at this time. And a number of you lifted your hands and and, and I commend you for your boldness and your willingness to respond to Jesus today. Because he's going to show himself strong on your behalf. And this isn't, we're just not trying to You know, this isn't isn't any kind of manipulation game. Jesus is real, and he wants to make himself real in our lives. There's a prayer that we pray, and I call it the believer's prayer. And it's a prayer we can all pray together, even if you've already prayed this before. But it's a prayer that acknowledges Jesus Christ as Lord and receiving him as your personal Savior, to acknowledge Him as the one who died for your sins, who paid the debt that you couldn't pay, and gives you eternal life, cleansing your heart and transforming your heart. So pray this prayer after me as we bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I come to you now humble and broken. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I call on the name of Jesus and I ask that you forgive me. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead to give me new life. Jesus, come into my heart be the lord of my life i receive you now make my life what you want it to be in jesus name now father i thank you for everyone gathered here today that through this message we just heard and by your spirit that you would move us to a place of greater obedience Father I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear illuminating our hearts and minds so that we can have a greater understanding of your plan your purpose, your will. Father we pray against the strongholds of darkness and Father we speak defeat to every attempt of the enemy that would assault us, that would hold us back and keep us from your purpose in Jesus name Father, I thank you for Jen and her testimony. Father, we thank you that your word says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We thank you that there's overcoming faith here today. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Well, we're going to worship God a little bit and, and feel free to come to the front and. And, and worship Him. Sometimes it's a way to do it in an undistracted fashion, but if you feel so moved, uh, you're welcome to come to the front. And uh, when we conclude the service, we'll have opportunity for prayer. the pro team to be up here to pray for anyone that needs prayer. If you raised your hand, we're going to invite you to come forward at that time as well. Thank you so much for coming today. Let's worship God.
0: Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net
1: or on social media at wearerefuge.